All right. Let's uh, let's just pause for one second. I always feel so bad to interrupt you. Have such nice sounding conversations, and then I come come along, blabbering here. That's all right. No worries. Let's uh, fold our hands and pray, and then you can find your seats. Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with your most gracious favor, and further us with your continual help, that in all our works, begun and continued and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally, by your mercy, obtain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, the basket's on the table. Uh, the money's going to go to People's Resource Center. Um, which, just, uh, just sort of anecdotally, I'll mention, um, this is a really helpful thing for us here at St. John to have groups like People, People's Resource Center, DuPage Pads, um, Milton Township Food Pantry, because um, there are a lot, of, a lot of folks who need things, and we can't, always, we can't always supply those needs, but to be able to direct them to resources uh, like People's Resource Center, who do so much, including um, you know, uh, provide job assistance to folks who are unemployed and so forth. Um, they're really valuable. So you helping them helps us, which is good, but it also it helps a lot of people um, otherwise too. So please, uh, please uh, help them out a little bit. What else? Um, Catechumenate you know about, December 5th. Again, everybody's welcome. Um, we'd love to have you come. And for those of you who, you know, who aren't sort of, who, who are members of St. John, um, it's great, I think, because uh, it's, it's a no-commitment kind of a thing. You can come one week and not come the next if you want. You can show up whenever you want, eat a bagel, have some yogurt, um, and it, it's great. So, so join us if you can. It's really nice to have you, have you there um, starting December 5th, three weeks in December, 5th, 12th, and 19th, and then time off for Christmas and the New Year and pick up again in January. So that's the catechumenate. Also, um, it's just right around the corner. So uh, you, maybe you heard it in the announcements before church. Thanksgiving Eve service. Wednesday, the 24th at 7 p.m. Thank you, Bev. Um, so join us for that evening prayer. Um, and then that, that next weekend is Advent 1 already, the first weekend in Advent, first Sunday in Advent. So the following week, the week after Thanksgiving, um, we start our midweek Advent services um, with dinner beforehand. So mark that in your calendar. That starts uh, December Bev says 25th is uh, Thanksgiving Eve, okay? And the, 20, and the second would be the first Wednesday? So, look, you can, you can check your calendars, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, the first, the first Wednesday in, Dece- in December is a midweek service. Okay. Anything else? Uh, anything else? Yeah, Carol. Oh, yeah. How- Start working next week, Monday the 23rd. She knows her dates. Okay. Do the initial setup, which is we move every all the Sunday school stuff out of the room and we move other stuff in. So we need lots of bodies because the more people we have to help, the easier it is yeah. and the quicker it goes. So starting Monday, November 23rd, 7 p.m., and you can sign up for anything, any job you want, you can sign up in the right. stairwell, right? Um, so help out with that. Uh, it's a, it's, uh, it's, we get, we got to get, got to get going on it. So good. Thank you, Carol. Anything else? All right. <clears throat> so uh, let's let's talk about the Bible now. Um, last week, what did we do last week? Do you remember? Ooh, okay. Jacob and Isa. Okay. Now, um, if you were going to. Uh, one of what, if you were going to summarize the story of Jacob and Esau, okay, so Jacob taking Esau's 
blessing, right? Taking the blessing that Isaac is going to give to Esau. How would you summarize it? How would you summarize that whole, that sort of whole episode? Deception. If there's deception, a lot of deception involved, right? Um, good. How else? Broken promises. Broke? Okay. Um, who said that? Byron. Byron. Okay. Broken promises. Okay, these are all really good thoughts. Broken promises, instant gratification, because in the case of Esau with the stew, you're thinking? Okay, now, um, I'm going to throw out the the alternative to this, broken promises um, and and kept promises, right? Because who keeps his promises? God does, right? Sort of in spite of deception and Esau's interest in instant gratification. Now, how about the characters in the story? How do, how do you feel about all of these people at this point? You don't really like them. They're detest, detestable. That's right. Despicable. They're like, they're like, yes, they sound really familiar, right? Um, there are no heroes, okay? Um, there's no, there are no good guys. Um, and that, you have to bear that in mind. I think that one of the things I've realized as preparing for this study is that I had, um, I have for my whole life sort of operated with a really sort of simple view of the, of the patriarchs, um, which is not wrong uh, to, to, to have this view that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, are foreshadows of, of Jesus. They point us ahead to Jesus, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail uh, a little bit later. But when we think of them in those terms, we tend to romanticize them a bit, right? Make them to be models of faith and virtue. But... They're just models of faith, not virtue, okay? So uh, now we, we hope that virtue follows from faith, and it's only by God's grace that it does, but they're, they're, they're mostly to be regarded as models of faith. So um, all of these things mean that, that we, don't, we don't sort of idolize these men. In fact, the, the, uh, it, what's, what's notable is that God is identified throughout the Bible as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So he's the one. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not the inverse. It's not that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were our fathers. In fact, Jesus goes to town on the, the scribes and the Pharisees for saying, you have Abraham as your father. Don't say that. God can raise up sons for, from Abraham from these stones, right? So it's, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who is the, uh, the key player in these stories. Now, uh, there, were, there was one thing, a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, so I, I, although there are no heroes in this story, if there was a hero, the first thing I hear on your handout. If there was a hero, uh, Rebecca, I think, is the, would be the hero. Um, what does Rebecca do uh, that, that, that is heroic in the story? Sort of in spite of her deceitfulness, in spite of, um, you know, the, her, her, the, the, the rift between, between her and um, Isaac. What does Rebecca do? That's right, yeah. So, she, yeah, exactly. That, she, uh, she keeps Jacob safe. So, Rebecca, um, she keeps Jacob safe. And before that, before that she makes sure, is my, um, did I stop getting mic'd? Okay. Okay, all right. Keeps Jacob safe. Before that, she makes sure that Jacob gets the blessing, right? Um, now, when I, reflecting on this, there are a lot of instances in the Bible, several instances, notable instances that sound a lot like Rebecca's role here. Can you think of, now this is a real test here, can you think of, I had like three weeks to think of this, so this is, put you on the spot. Can you think of other stories in the Bible 
Jessica, you can't answer because I already told you, um, that where, Rebe- where there's somebody like Rebecca acting to make sure that her son is safe and, and given the promises that are given to him, receives the blessing that's, that's promised to him. Mother of the sons. Oh, that's interesting. So in the New, okay, that's a good example. Uh, in the New Testament, now we'd usually view that pericope sort of in the opposite, right? That um, that the sons of Zebedee who say who say when they come to Jesus, they say, make it so that one of us sits at your right and your your left in the kingdom of heaven. The mother of the sons of Zebedee comes along and, and also says, grant that grant that my sons would be would be would be uh, you know high in your kingdom. Good. Um, Old Testament examples. Hannah. Hannah. Okay. Great. How does, how does this fill us in? How does that go? Well, she was Right. She not right. Not only that, this is what, one of the great things about uh, the story of Hannah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Hannah's name means favored one, right? And uh, she understood it as um, that she is the one who was to receive not, not just favor in general, but God's favor. And she, she said to her husband, Give me a son. And he responded kind of not, not in a great way. He said, am I not more to you than ten sons? After which she slapped him. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, she, uh, she said, I have this name. Basically, this how it goes. I'm Hannah, right? Um, and God has promised to, to favor me, and yet I don't have any children. So she, she prays to God and, uh, and, and intercedes on behalf of her offspring, though, though they're not yet born, right? Uh, and then she's then she's blessed with uh, with other with other children. Good, Marilyn. You nailed it, right? Okay, so do you remember this episode from the beginning of First Kings? This really kind of scandalous episode, right? David is is king on his deathbed. It's a deathbed scene, kind of like Isaac and Jacob and Esau. David is on his bed, and uh, his servants bring in. You remember this? We said it over the summer. Bring in a young maiden um, to keep him warm. Right? And they're kind of hoping that, because he's, he's not really acting as king. And so they're kind of hoping that he'll act like a king. But he doesn't. Um, and uh, the, 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 what happens next is Bathsheba remembers that David had promised to Solomon that he would, be, uh, that he would, he would uh, inherit the throne. But David's other son, Adonijah, was acting like king. Was saying... My, my dad's not acting like king. I'm going to act like king. He's got all these people, his whole entourage around him, and he's acting like king. And Bathsheba says, this is no good. So she gets Nathan, she gets Nathan the prophet and says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go in first, and I'm going to tell David that he should make Solomon king. And then you come in after me, and it'll seem like a coincidence. But then there will have been two witnesses that you should make Solomon king. And she did that. Um, and uh, David, uh, on hearing this word, on hearing his need to fulfill his promise to Solomon, he rises up and does what he ought to do as king. Um, and, and they anoint Solomon to be the, to the heir of the throne, right? Re- Rebecca is, is, sort of looks a lot like Bathsheba in that story, right? She is sort of against, against uh, the, the, you know, the fact that her husband isn't, is, is unwilling to do what he needs to do. Um, she takes the initiative and, and, and does it. That's a great, it's a great example. Any other, any other examples? How about, uh, there's one more that came to mind. How about Sarah? Can you think of how Sarah did this? Ishmael, Haggai, Haggai and Ishmael were living in her house. Isaac was born, and Ishmael was the older son. And she sent them away um, so that Isaac would be the recipient of the, of the blessing. Isaac would be 
uh, the recipient of, of Abraham's favor, okay? Um, now, there's, there's also a, a New Testament example. So if we, if, we take a, if we take a step back, I think that um, these sort of frame for us, um, we, we often talk about the church as our mother, right? They frame for us also what the church does for us, um, advocates for us on behalf of, uh, it, it advocates for us in the reception of God's promises, right? The blessing that belongs to us. So the church, you know, in your baptism and in, uh, in supplication before God, um, stands up and says to God the Father, look, you've promised to these children the inheritance of your kingdom. You know, give it to them. That's what the church does. That's the role that the church plays, right? Um, not that God needs much persuasion, um, but nonetheless, that's what the church does here for us on earth because we have lots of people saying other things, lots of people speaking against us, lots of people uh, accusing us and saying, and saying that we, we shouldn't receive the promise. Okay. Any questions? Great. So uh, let's move on then. Let's take a look at the next thing. Now, the, the story I want to talk about today in particular is the story of Rachel and Leah, although we, we'll, see how, we'll see what happens. Um, before before uh, uh, Jacob makes it to Laban's house, before he uh, meets his future wives, um, there, there's a scene that involves uh, Jacob uh, sort of having a, a vision of God, right? Um, he, it's, the, it's the Jacob's Ladder episode, and this is uh, in chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28, verse, starting at verse 10. And now, you know, you know how this goes, so don't, don't, uh, don't scramble too hard to find it. Um, but the one thing I want you to note, and I wrote it on the, uh, on the handout there, the one thing I want you to note is um, how Jacob having to leave his family and flee to Padan Aram to go back to the country of his fathers um, is, is sort of counter to everything that he's just heard, right? The blessing that he's just received. So Jacob has just heard from Isaac that he's going to, um, uh, he's going to be served by his brother and that he's going to be given this rich bounty. And then he's sent packing with nothing but a staff in his hand, right? He, doesn't have a, he lays his head on a rock. Right, um, and and this is not so. We often don't reckon with this. The fact that the promise that's given to Jacob is is unfulfilled, right at, at first. In fact, he has to wait a long time before uh, before the before he returns home. Twenty years. Remember, Rebecca's sort of expecting that he's going to come back right away, um, but he doesn't. He's, it's twenty years. And in fact, while he's in while he's at Laban's house, he has to wait for a lot of things. Um, here again, exercise your, your Bible, Bible story skills here. Um, can you think of other people who had, to, who had to wait for the fulfillment of a promise that was given to them? Abraham's a great one. He never saw the fulfillment of the promise, right, except for, except for in his son Isaac. Yeah. So the, so, the, so the patriarchs never saw the Messiah. In fact, going back to Adam and Eve, um, Eve, you know, was given this promise your seed, right? He will crush the serpent's head. The serpent will strike his heel. She never, she never saw that, the fulfillment of that promise. In fact, she, it seems like she thought Cain was going to be the one who fulfilled that promise, and it, that didn't work out so well, right? Um, so there's another story which I think really typifies it well, and that is uh, the story of David. Um, a, lot of, a lot of stories 
come together in First and Second Samuel. You remember how this goes? Saul is anointed king, and he's on the throne, but he's a really bad king. Um, he, he sins against God. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do, and he doesn't repent. And so God regrets having made him king. And instead, he sends Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint David as king, right? But it's a long time before David becomes king. Um, David's just a shepherd boy at the time. He serves under Saul. He's, got the, he's anointed as king, but he serves under Saul. And then Saul is pursuing him, and he has all these opportunities to do what? To kill him, to take what had been promised to him, um, but he couldn't do it. Why? Because Saul was God's anointed, right? Um, in fact, the, 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 there's a great sto- the, the, the great story of David and Abigail where Samuel, who was always sort of this guiding force in David's life, reminding him um, that the promise, that he shouldn't grasp after the promise, right? This is a problem that we all have, and we see this from the beginning, taking something when it's not, when it's not yet ours, um, something that's been promised to us, but taking it by our own, our own wiles. David had, had every opportunity to do that, and then, um, remember, David is slighted by this fellow Nabal, and he's gonna, he's, Samuel's dead, and so he has nobody, no prophet to tell him what's right and wrong, and he sort of forgets himself. And he's gonna, he takes up his arms and he takes all his men and he's going to go and slaughter the whole house of Nabal. And Abigail meets him and says, look, I know that you're going to be king, but if you do this now, you're going to have blood on your hands because you're not, you're not the authority. It's not your job to execute justice. Um, and, and, and he stops. He has to wait. And even, even to the very end, even to the death of Saul, uh, David um, exercises this great patience, which is why David is the man after God's own heart, right? Because David exercises this great patience in waiting for the promise to be given to him, not to, not to grasp after the fulfillment of the promise. So we see that here in Jacob. Um, Jacob has this promise that's been given to him, and now he's just sent packing, right? How does, that, how, how does that work, right? How can he be the recipient of this great blessing when he has to leave home? And meanwhile, Esau, what, is, stuck, is left behind with his Hittite wives and, uh, you know, have, ruling the household, basically. He's the only son left. Um, he's got, he's got the, the inheritance sort of as a matter of fact. And Jacob's sent packing because his brothers are going to kill him, okay? Um, Jacob, it doesn't seem like he's the recipient of God's promise. Um, any questions there? That sort of, that sort of sets up... Uh, once again, uh, the important thing for us to consider is uh, Jacob as, the man of, as a man of faith, not a man of virtue. And here we start to see it unfold, right? For him to leave home and go to his uncle's house um, is, a, is a great exercise of faith. By the way, um, I had to do this uh, this week just to keep things straight. The family tree of this whole family, I want to draw it on the board because I think uh, we get confused here about the way the family is organized, and it puts some things in perspective. And it'll help us to sort of frame where we are in the story. I had to write it down. It's really confusing. So, Terah had three sons. Haran, Abraham, and Nahor. Haran is the father of Lot. You remember Lot? Okay, Abraham has Ishmael and Isaac. Nahor has a son named Bethuel, who has a daughter and a son, Rebekah 
and Laban. Okay, these two give us Jacob and Esau. And Laban gives us Rachel and Leah. So it feels like we're getting farther and farther away in the family tree, but lo and behold, they're first cousins. Um, now, this is, is, so this is, this is striking, um, but it's important because uh, the family was really, the, the, the integrity of the family was really, was really important. Um, you remember how Esau disregarded what mattered to his father and married the Hittite women, and how in his last-ditch effort to appease his father, he went and married some of Ishmael's offspring, right? But um, the, the integrity of the family um, was really important because and, and even, in, even within the family, Laban, we find out, is, a, is an idol worshiper to some extent, and Rachel, too. Not a great, not a great gal. Um, but if, he had, if they had strayed further from the family tree, uh, who, you know, can you imagine what kind of, what, what, what kind of abominations they would, have, they would have discovered? So anyway, just for your reference. So here we are down here. Um, we're, not getting, we're not diverging. The family's not getting broader. Um, it's staying pretty narrow. Okay, let's take a look at the story of Leah and Rachel. So turn to the second page of your handout here. And here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to read it all at once. I think that maybe is a bit tiresome. So um, I'm just going to read chunks of it, and then we'll, we'll talk about them. you have any questions at this point? You know where we are. You know what's going on. Okay. Here, here's what you need to do um, as we consider uh, this story. Look at the, in the bold on the top of the page there. So at, as usual, the first, one of the first things we do when we, when we study these stories, especially Old Testament stories, but also the New Testament and the Gospels, ask yourself what's, what's strange about this story. What's, and it's usually challenging for us because we've heard these stories so many times that we take a lot of things for granted as being normal. What's strange? And also think about what other stories in the Bible are called to mind by, uh, by what you hear. Okay? So let's take a look at just verses 1 through 14. Jacob went on his way, on his journey, and came to the land of the people of the east. And as he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, Three flocks of sheep lying beside it, for out of that well the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, their shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well, and see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that's really important, it's his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him 
a month. Okay, we're going to pause there. So ask yourself these questions. What's strange? It's all strange. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. Yes, Carol. Uh huh. I think of the men that came from the east. Okay, okay. This is not quite that far east. That's just for reference. But 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 the the direction is important because um, because Abraham had been sent to the other way to to uh, to Canaan to the land of Canaan, which was on the west side of the Jordan River, right? Okay. What else? What else is strange? Their cousins. Their cousins. Still strange, yes. <laughs> what else? He kissed her. Okay. Now, it's strange. Uh, so It's a normal way of greeting. So we, we have this cultural baggage that if, uh, you know, I don't kiss my cousins. Um, but here, how about this? Um, he didn't kiss her right away. What did he do first? Yeah. Not only did he water the flock, but how did he water the flock? Single-handedly. Rolled the stone away, right? So there were shepherds who were waiting for all, of the, all of these sheep to be gathered, and the shepherds were together going to have this effort to move the stone, right? It, the stone was th- there to protect the well, right, to keep things from falling into it. Um, and he, Jacob does things out of order. First he waters her sheep, and then he kisses her, okay? Um, it's, ki- it's kind of, uh, it, it, either it's really chivalrous, or, or um, it shows just how important uh, for Jacob, um, things like uh, 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 just how important for God, things like rolling away stones are and uh, and and watering flocks, right? So it's not it's not incidental that you know Jacob and Jacob is uh, watering the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, and Rachel is a shepherdess. Okay, so these things um, sort of stand out, um, and and the order that he does it is kind of interesting. Um, I read a homily. Now you can. You can take it or leave it, but a homily which compared um, Jacob's action here to what Jesus does for us in the church, right? So the kiss of peace doesn't come before you've been before you've been washed, before you've been before you've been watered, right? Um, first, first uh, take care of that, and then the kiss of peace. That's it. That fits in the sort of the early church uh, way of reading the Bible, but it's interesting nonetheless to to consider. Okay, what else? Anything else strange to you? He wept. Why did he weep? He was happy. Right. Who else was really happy? <coughs> Rachel. Rachel and Laban. What, so I underlined it here. Laban says to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. Does that re- remind you of anything? Adam. Adam. At, at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Right? Which is an ecstatic greeting. Right? Finally, someone that I recognize, someone who's, who is like me, which is so important for Laban because who else is he going to marry his daughters to? Right? Surely you are bone, my bone and my flesh. Um, so uh, J- Laban, is, Laban is really excited. So, so now, just stopping here, at verse 14, how's the story going so far? How do you feel about this story? It's really good, right? Things are turning out pretty well for Jacob, right? Um, it's also, on the margin going up there, it's a betrothal scene, not unlike the scene between Rebekah and Isaac, right? Except it was Abram's servant who went to find Isaac, but it was at the well that he found Rebekah, right? Who else, who else, for whom, for whom else is a well really important? Moses. Moses? How so? Uh, you are, whew, sharp, way to go. <laughs> okay, 
Moses also met his wife at a well. Who, right, when he fled Egypt. The woman at the well. The woman at the well in the New Testament, in John. Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Um, and now here, this is, this is where it gets really interesting. What does Jesus say to the woman at the well? Give me something to drink. And she says, um, I can't remember what she says, but it, comes to, it boils down to this. Jesus says to her, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, you would have said to him, you give me something to drink. Why? Because Jesus has living water, right? Um, we hear about living water later in John, but there the, we already hear that he has water to give, which will, from which if she drinks it, she won't thirst again, right? Um, we, had, we hear that that's, that's sort of an echo of what's going on here um, with Jacob and Rachel. Jacob is um, a kinsman who has come to redeem Rachel, right? Come to um, bring the promise to the rest of Laban's family, okay? Um, who, who, were, who were yet back in the, 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 the old land where they once lived, okay? Mike? I can't remember the, uh, in, the, in the New Testament. It's not the same well, is it? Um, I, can't, I, I seem to remember her mentioning something about it's a well one of the patriarchs. That's a really good question. I'll look it up. I'll get back to you next week. Okay. Hang on a second. Will you remind me afterwards to look at it? Okay. All right. Good. Anything else? Yes, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So this is where, here, is where the bride comes to meet the bridegroom at this well, right? To be betrothed, right? And to, uh, and to be greeted with a kiss. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Onward. Things are really good so far. I'm just going to remind you. Things are really good. <laughs> Verse 15. Just, just this next little chunk here. 15 to 20. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you yet seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Right? Which, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine told me this week, it sounds like in Hebrews when Jesus, when, when the author of the book of Hebrews says about Jesus that who for the love, who, who for the joy that was set before him, um, endured the cross and suffered the cross, suffered the shame of the cross, right? Because it was so joyful for him to, to look forward to marrying Rachel, seven years were, it was nothing for him, right? It was, in fact, a long time and also a really uh, big price for a bride. Um, if, you, if, you added up, if you added up the wages versus seven years of working and versus what's, what's normally paid um, you know, as a bride price, um, it was a lot, um, Jacob was giving a lot for Rachel, okay? But let me begin, turn it back around. What's strange here? Anything? Uh, why? Why did they mention Leah? Yeah, and not only that, but what about Leah? Her eyes are weak. Okay, so now um, it, it, seems, it seems sort of uh, implicit that Rachel was more beautiful than Leah. That's what, that was kind of what attracted Jacob to her, right? Um, her eyes being weak, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk about eyes in the Bible. Um, 
Some examples are Moses, right? At the end of his life, his eyes were undimmed, right? Um, it's not, the same, not quite the same language that's used here, but his, but his eyes sort of represent his, his vitality. Um, David um, is described as a, as a young man, ruddy in appearance with, with uh, fair eyes. Um, and, then, and then Jonathan, Saul's son, when they're walking through the forest, and Jonathan dips, they're really hungry, the soldiers are really hungry, and he dips his staff into the honeycomb, and he eats the honey, and his eyes became bright because he was filled with vitality, right? So that's, that's sort of what the, what the eyes are indicative of here. Rachel seems to be, to Jacob, the pr- preferred one, right? Because Lee's got dim eyes, weak eyes. Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance. Now, it's, it seems like a really uh, superficial thing, especially compared to what? What, is, what would normally be the consideration in, in terms of marriage here? The firstborn, right? So here's an example of Jacob not exercising virtue, right? Because he's grasping after what, what he shouldn't have. The, the younger child, not the firstborn, right? It's doing things out of order, okay? Anything else? Anything else strange? Aside from that, the fact that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a really, it's really kind of a nice, nice description of Jacob. He loved her so much that he was willing to work seven years for her, and, uh, and it seemed like nothing to him because he loved her so much, right? So we're still, we're still feeling pretty good about the story, right? Still a pretty good story? Okay. How do you feel about the characters? I wrote this here. How do you feel about the characters in the story? Everybody's okay except for Leah. She's not so good. Okay. She's got bad eyes. Okay. Flip the page. All right. Now, um, here we see the... Here we see the, the first wrench in the story. This is just, just verse, verses 21 through, tw- just 21, okay. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, that I may go into her, for my time is completed, right? So he'd worked his seven years. And what's, what's strange about that? Does anything strike you as strange about that? Yeah, right. Seven years have passed. He's been counting the days since day one, and, uh, and there's like... Everybody should know that this was going to happen, and yet he still has to say to Laban, give me my wife, right? Um, there's some, obviously something kind of sneaky going on, right? Laban's hesitant to give Jacob his wife. So Laban gathered together all the people. I mean, they would have been making plans for this feast, right? It would have been a big deal. Um, they gathered all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Which, which in the Hebrew, I mean, you have, it's, it's, uh, there's, there usually verbs are missing, but in the Hebrew it's something like, and look, she's Leah. It's like, it's, it's kind of like a first person kind of a thing, like, oh my goodness, right? Um, let's pause there for a second, okay? So there's some strange things. I don't have to, we, Lots of strange things. But what does this remind you of? Does this remind you of anything? Yeah, the trick they played on Isaac, right? So now it's not, it's poetic justice in some sense, right? Um, uh, Jacob suffers the very same fate that that he, you know, the same trick that he played on on his father, right? Um, And we hear, there's there's some nuance here. What comes next? Jacob said to Laban, why have you done this to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban, it seems like with a little bit of irony here, says, 
It's not done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, as if, see how you, you turn things out of order in your country, you being the younger, taking the, the birthright of the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave to him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. So, so he and served Laban another seven years. Okay, so now how's the story doing? Okay. Oh, two, he's got two wives. Um, who are, the, are, uh, are there any good guys in this story? Who, so if you were going to identify this story, if you were going to draw parallels between this story and the story of Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, where are the parallels? Who are the people that line up t- with each other? Jacob and Isaac, Leah and Esau, Rachel and Jacob, right? Um, he loves Rachel more than he loves Leah. She's his, she's, she was the one he was married to first. He loves Rachel more than he loves her. Leah is disenfranchised. Um, he doesn't, he, he uh, I mean, the, this favoritism on its face is, it has been a problem for him in his life, right? So surely he should have learned his lesson, but he didn't. Um, and, and now... You know, sort of everything kind of falls to pieces um, at this point. You got any questions? Yes. Yeah. Puffy. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sort of Midrashic and, and rabbinic um, commentaries, and they spend a lot of time sort of wondering about the backstory, right? And so they, they spin out this tale where, uh, where Leah is, has dim eyes because, or, or, or puffy eyes because she's been crying because she had been promised to somebody else, and now she has to marry Jacob who doesn't love her, right? Um, it's, it's a, it, it certainly would be an interesting, an, an interesting extra twist in the story, um, to be sure. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing to look at is this. Um, uh, I turn back to the first page for just a second. The, on the very bottom of the page, there, um, the, here are, here are some sort of summary summary statements of the episodes that have come to this point. And it's organized. I should have I should have indented it. That would have made it clearer. This is it's a chiastic structure, palistrophic structure, right? So the top one corresponds with the bottom one. You can see that. Jacob cheats Esau out of his blessing. Then at the end of the story, later, Jacob returns Esau's blessing. He, he comes back to Esau and gives him a blessing. And as we get closer to the center, we have these other parallels. Jacob meets God in two different places. Jacob arrives at Laban's house and Jacob leaves Laban's house. Laban tricks Jacob. Later, Jacob tricks Laban. Um, here, what we're about to hear is how God remembers Leah, the unloved wife. But notice what's in the middle, right? The center of this sort of cycle, this story, is uh, the birth of Jacob's sons. And in fact, I w- I'd, I'd suggest that the, the birth of Judah um, is highlighted as sort of the center of the story. This is the most important thing. This is what this is all building up to, right? And what, and what spins off the rest of the story is the birth of all of these sons. And... Um, as we've noted, the, the circuit sort of circumstances for their birth um, is pretty, it's, it's not great, right? Um, the story, uh, it starts out pretty good, but, but there's nobody, nobody is virtuous. And so um, they all come from pretty, 
you know, a pretty dubious family here. Um, but take a look now at what happens. Turn, turn back to the last page with Leah. And this is the last thing we'll do here. Um, so Leah is the, kind of the one, the one person who hasn't done anything wrong in this whole story. Um, and she's, she's sort of on the out and out. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren, right? And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, now my husband will love me. The name Reuben has to do with seeing, right? She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me a son also. And she called his name Simeon, which has to do with hearing. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, she called his name Levi. Um, but n- now something different happens. Look at, what's, look at what changes with her fourth son. So Jacob is not attached to her at this point. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Okay? That's sort of the, that's sort of the pinnacle for Leah. And what happened? She, had, she, she went from uh, vying for her husband's affection by having these children, right? Um, hoping that her husband would love her because of these children. Uh, now, it's, I, I, it, it, etymologically, it doesn't quite work out, but I, I would make the argument that you could, or you could, you could say it this way. So, in, in Hebrew, uh, the word for husband is often synonymous with the word for master or lord, which is the same word for Baal, right? Um, the first three children that she bears um, are in an attempt to get Jacob to love her, right? To earn Jacob's favor. Um, the fourth son, what does she say? She turns, she turns finally away from her, her husband, away from her, her Baal, her idol, and praises God. This time, I will praise the Lord, right? And, and then, it's, then, of course, it's no, it's no small matter that through Judah, the promise is given that... Uh, that the scepter shall not leave, shall not leave his house, right? Um, and that David is born of Judah, and that Jesus is born of Judah. Okay. So we're. Gonna, I think we'll probably stop there. You have any questions? Okay. Great. Let's pray. Sorry, I, I, the, I pulled the screen down. I was going to show you a visual aid. I'll do it next week. It'll be great. Okay. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you very much.